Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC. Through the lens of Mississippi, I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, joined today by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State writer. Uh, Dalton, how are you, man? Parrish, man, I'm all right. I had me a little mini vacation this week. Uh, I took Monday and Tuesday off to celebrate a uh, me and my girlfriend getting engaged this past weekend. So uh, we did that this weekend, and then I got to spend Monday and Tuesday just sitting on the couch lounging with her. So it's uh, I'm good. You know, I am uh, I'm ready to get back and watch some more baseball. You know, it's, uh, it's this is the time of the season where you want to watch more baseball. So that's where I'm sitting at right now. Well, it is the time of the season to watch more baseball, and, and Mississippi State coming off a – you know, a series win against uh, South Carolina. Ole Miss uh, getting some uh, really devastating injury news on uh, Tuesday this week. We'll talk about that uh, in just a second. Folks, before we go much deeper, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Registration continues for summer day camp. Uh, that's online at OxfordParkCommission.com or by visiting the Coach Hal Activity Center Camp serves ages 5 to 13, cost is $300 per camper per session. Sessions run June 1 to 25 and July 5 to 30. Drop-off each day begins at 7.30. Pickup is 5.30. Games, arts and crafts, swimming, outdoor activities, field trips, much, much more for the campers uh, every day. And OPC is looking for lifeguards for the city pool for the summer. The season starts Memorial Day weekend and runs through Labor Day. Candidates must be at least 16 and have a current lifeguard certification. Contact Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler with questions at J-A-M-I-E at OxfordParkCommission.com or just apply online at OxfordMS.net. So, uh, Dalton, while while you were lounging, uh, Ole Miss was getting some uh, really uh, – Difficult injury news on Gunnar Hoagland. You know, he got pulled at Texas A&M. He was scratched from LSU a couple of weeks ago. Uh, didn't pitch in that series, and uh, it was described as stiffness. Stiffness uh, in the forearm area of his uh, pitching arm. And uh, they waited a week. They treated it, a little rest there. He came back. He went through his routine the following week and, and pitched one of his better games of the season against South Carolina, uh, 97 pitches, six innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, nine strikeouts, really dominant there against the Gamecocks, helped Ole Miss get off to a good start in a series. They went on to sweep. Uh, then he comes out the next week against Texas A&M. He goes 23 pitches, and you can tell. You can tell he's uh, not comfortable out there, uh, leaving balls up in the zone. The velocity's not uh, – what it uh, is for Gunnar Hoagland. He gives up uh, two hits, a walk, three runs, and he's gone after two-thirds of an inning. Uh, MRI was Monday, and it showed a UCL tear. That's the ulnar collateral ligament in the elbow, and uh, the result from that is what we all know as Tommy John surgery. So that's coming up in less than a week uh, for Gunnar Hoagland, actually, uh, next Tuesday. But basically – uh, his Ole Miss career most likely uh, is done. Now, he's a junior. He could come back. He's got eligibility. But uh, guys projected in the first round 
don't usually come back to college. Now, maybe uh, maybe the injury puts a different spin on that. Uh, maybe it causes him to drop in the draft a little bit. Maybe he thinks, well, I, you know, I, I want to come back for that uh, year of college and and get this thing strengthened. But, uh, you know, a lot of guys come back from Tommy John surgery. I don't know that that's going to scare the uh, scouts too much. I think he could still end up in the first round. Yeah, I don't know if he'll drop too much. I saw a bunch of people, you know, talking about how he could be a top 10 pick and that he may drop a little bit. I could see that, you know, drop out of the top 10 maybe into the maybe the mid to later first round. But, uh, you know, I hate that for him. You know, he is so, so good. You know, uh, he is, you know, one of, you know, him and the Casey are one of the reasons that, you know, outside of Ole Miss's, you know, bullpen this year, them two are kind of the reason why Ole Miss is, been as good as they are pitching wise. And, you know, he hate to see him go down like that. And you just hope, you know, he recovers well. And if he comes back to Ole Miss, finishes strong at Ole Miss, if he doesn't, you know, hope he goes on and recovers well and has a great professional career. Maybe we'll see him pitching in the majors in a few years, you know, coming back from Tommy John. But, uh, you know, that's, a, that's just, that's an awful, that's just an awful thing to hear. And it just, it just adds on to a list of injuries that Ole Miss has dealt with just, seems like week in and week out this season. It just seems like uh, this Ole Miss baseball team just can't catch a break. Well, it, it has been an unusual year uh, for injuries. So many players, I, you know, I, I quit counting at like eight or nine, not guys who have had season-ending injuries. Like technically, uh, even Tim Elko hasn't had a season-ending injury. But so many – and now that's what this will be for Gunnar Hoagland. Uh, make no mistake about that. But so many guys, uh, key guys who have missed games, who have missed stretches of time uh, where that disrupts uh, the dynamic of the team, it disrupts flow, it certainly disrupts their timing. Doug Nikhazy was able to miss a couple of starts early, uh, just missed one SEC start and, and came back and, and, and really you know, hit his stride quickly. And, and that's been good because, as you mentioned, it's been the starting pitching uh, that has carried this team. Um, but it's going to uh, look different. It's going to look different next year because chances are uh, neither Hoagland nor Nikhazy would be around anyway. Well, um, the Rebels are fixing to get uh, a different look now. Uh, Mike Bianco has had has been able to decide whether he wanted Drew McDaniel or Derek Diamond to start, you know, in that third spot. Well, now it's going to be both of them. You, know, you take Hoagland out. I would imagine he'll keep uh, Nikhazy uh, in that game two spot. I think he likes the left-hander there. I think he likes going right, left, right uh, with his rotation. Uh, but Diamond and uh, McDaniel both have – they've had flashes. They've had moments. Uh, they haven't been exactly dominant. Uh, these guys need to pitch more, and I think they're about to pitch a lot more because they're going to be – a part of the SEC rotation next year. And as far as uh, Hoagland in the draft, you know, it's – I think he – I don't think he'll fall too much, but it's got to be the right fit now. It's got to be somebody – it's got to be a team who who wants a, a good right-handed pitcher that they're willing to bring along slowly. You know, baseball is such a different dynamic. Uh, with football, you can draft a guy in April – who's coming off ACL surgery and, and be reasonably confident that, that you'll have him in the first game. Uh, baseball, these guys get drafted and, 
after some negotiations, if they sign quickly, they're playing games again. You know, if, you know, if they're really, uh, uh, you know, uh, great athletes and star players at the position, and if they come along quickly, I mean, these are guys you, you could, you could get a September call up, you know, you could be uh, playing at the end of this season. So it's not like, it's not like, uh, you sign those baseball deals and there are no game. Right. And, uh, like you mentioned, like you just hit it perfectly on the head with the it's got to be the right fit now because, you know, he's not going to be able to be – he's not going to be one of those guys that gets possibly called up in September or is playing games now because, you know, he's going to be out till next – you know, I would imagine till next spring training at the earliest. You know, that UCL, that, I know a couple guys, of course, that have gotten it and you see it, it it's a it's a long recovery. Um, but like you said, he's, he's not going to drop too much. The time – talent level he has is uh you know is top 10 in the draft you know he is that good of a pitcher and he's not going to drop that much just because of Tommy John because it seems uh with Tommy John surgery now it, it it's so common I feel like that almost every other pitcher is getting Tommy John or tearing their UCL at least some point in their career and so it's not as much of a um I don't feel like it's much of a of a fear as everyone else, uh, as, as it used to be, you know, they have it and like, okay, you know, you sit out a year, you know, you come back though, a few, a few miles per hour faster, you know, hopefully you got everything back right. And then, you know, we'll take it from there. But, uh, like, like you said, you know, it, it's gotta be a right fit now, but he shouldn't fall too far. Well, we're still waiting now, uh, on regional news, right? That's, uh, I was told Thursday or Friday of this week, uh, uh, the NCAA would make that announcement of, of 20 schools that it would tell to begin preparations for regionals. Obviously, a state very much uh, in the mix there. Uh, I don't know what uh, Ole Miss, uh, 14 and 10, I think that's a good regional spot. I think they'll probably get in that, uh, get in that top 20. But there are 20 teams for 16 spots for the purpose of allowing teams to continue to play. And I'm not sure uh, where Ole Miss is going to land in that 16. Um, I know from history that uh, 16 conference wins is the bare minimum. That's the minimum achievement uh, to host a regional, and that usually requires uh, some level of success in the SEC tournament. Uh, that's still a possibility. Uh, it's it's going to be harder uh, without Gunnar Hoagland. Uh, the Rebels have uh, Vanderbilt coming in this weekend, if they win one game, then that gets them to 15. And, you know, every win is is great. If you could win a game against Vanderbilt and get two against Georgia and get up to 17, then I think you really kind of solidify your regional host uh, goal there. But it's going to be hard now. I think Ole Miss uh, would have won the A&M series. They'd have won that first game had Hoagland been able to pitch. Uh, but he was not, and not, just not sure that uh, that they're going to be able to uh, keep pace on the mound uh, without Hoagland. And, um, you know, look, uh, this offense is, has been good for Ole Miss, but they're going to have to be better. They're going to have to be good against some really good pitching against Vanderbilt to, uh, to not get swept. Yeah, without a doubt. And one thing that, you know, I'm not trying to criticize Ole Miss too much, but, you know, with Gunnar Hoagland out, you know, in a three-game series, this this Rebel squad does not scare me very much anymore. You know, you have Nikhazy on Friday or on Saturdays, and that's that's that could arguably be a you know not an automatic win, but you know, a, almost a, almost a win for Ole Miss every single weekend. But outside of that, you know, if the hitting 
he's not, you know, scoring 15 runs a game, you know, sometimes this hit, sometimes this, this offense, it, uh, it, it falters, you know, it, it doesn't look great some, some days. And, uh, you know, if they have a not great day and they're having, you know, one of these pitchers that aren't used to pitching on a Friday night or something, you know, give up four or five runs, then all of a sudden, you know, that's that weekend doesn't look too great. And then you're having the Casey, of course, have to come in there and at least just try to, you know, even it up for a Sunday, uh, rubber match. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, right now, I think Ole Miss is probably going to be one of those uh, two seeds. I think, uh, I don't, I don't, I didn't see where D1 had them yesterday, but I saw Baseball America today had them as a two seed in Louisiana Tech's, uh, regional. So, uh, I think La Tech, they had them as the 16 and then yeah. Ole Miss is the number two. So I guess they would be number 17 then, uh, so, yeah, I think they're like right there on that line. You know, they should get named this week, just like Mississippi State will um, for the regional host and keep playing for it. Who knows, you know, if Ole Miss comes out and beats Vanny two out of three this weekend or something and then comes out and uh, I don't know who they have next weekend. I don't know if you just said it or not, but if they come out and win next weekend or sweep next weekend and get to 20 wins or something like that or get close to 20 wins in the SEC, then I think they're very much a, a, a hosting team because – Ole Miss has the talent to host. Don't get me wrong about that. It's just uh, with some of the injuries and some of the uh, inconsistencies that they've had, it just kind of seems more fit that they might be a two seed this year. Yeah. Yeah, certainly less scary. Less scary without uh, Gunnar Hoagland. Uh, about the Bulldogs, where are they this weekend? They are at home against Missouri. Should be a decent series. Uh, Missouri has been all right as of late. They're not a great team, but uh, they've been better. Um, Mississippi State coming off that uh, that series winning at South Carolina. They should have swept, but ended up losing it. Uh, they, led with, they led with two outs in the ninth inning and ended up losing that game and, and extra innings on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I think I think State's going to be a little upset because they had a chance. They were, they were tied for first place at the end of last weekend, and uh, you know, now they're sitting a game back of Tennessee and Arkansas. And, uh, you know, they're probably a little mad, you know, that they lost that game. And I think Lamonis is uh, starting to see something on the wall because he said that uh, earlier this week that the Sunday pitching or, or the, the starting pitching for Sunday is TBA now. Because um, as good as he can be, freshman Jackson Fristo, who's been starting on Sunday, has just not been great lately. Um I don't think he's gone over three or four innings in about a month and a half, and uh, maybe besides one game. I know, I know, I don't think he's made it out of the third inning in a in a month. So uh, I think he's just trying to look for more consistency there on Sunday. And Houston Harding may be the answer. I don't know. Jackson Fristo may be the answer. Eric Sarantola may be the answer. I'm not sure, but uh, I imagine we're going to see something a little different this week since uh, since he said since he said that TBA on earlier this week. So. Uh, but state is in a state's in a good spot in the SEC right now for the SEC championship race, you know, in the regular season. But uh, I think they have to sweep. Basically, they have to win out. So they have Missouri and Alabama these next two weekends, and uh, Arkansas and Tennessee, who are both sixteen and seven or seventeen and seven, one game ahead of state, are uh, playing this weekend. So if one of them does not sweep, then obviously, if if it's two one then State has a chance to pass one of them if they sweep and tie with the other one. There's no tiebreaker for the SEC regular season championship. So uh, State has a chance to, uh, to to do something good. But they, they're they basically, after losing that game to South Carolina, which they should have won, um, they kind of put themselves in a, in a spot where they can't really lose much. 
Well, certainly they're very much in that national seed mix, and, and that's, that's a good spot. That's a sweet spot to be in uh, when you can set yourself up and, and know that you're hosting it at home uh, for the two out of three as long as you uh, get past your, your regional. And in theory, uh, as a national seed, you get, um, you're more likely to get a regional you can handle. I know it didn't work out that way uh, for Ole Miss in, in 2018 when they got Tennessee Tech. I thought uh, the next year when they were not a national seed in 2019, they actually got, uh, you know, a regional uh, with three other teams. It was probably more fitting, uh, more like what they should have had uh, in 2018. But uh, anyway, good spot uh, for State to be in right now. Yeah, questions with the starting pitching, Dalton. But to me, it's always been about the bullpen for State. I think the starters have been good. But, you know, when you talk about – uh, fearing someone, I think I've. If I'm a team, uh, if I'm a coach for another team, I I fear the bullpen more than I fear the starters. Yeah, without a doubt, and that's the strength of this team, and that's what's, and and that's why you know I don't know if this team won the national championship. You know, Vanderbilt and Arkansas are, are as good as I've seen a college baseball team um, ever, probably, and um, but this team is built for postseason runs I feel like because of the because of the bullpen you know you think about you know the SEC tournament and making a deep run in there usually it's starting pitching you know you gotta have the guys go out there and either make really good starts or have your one guy in the bullpen come out and give you a good start but State can have a guy from the bullpen come out and throw four or five scoreless innings on any given day and there's also 19 other guys in there that can do that you know maybe not score throw three or four innings, but can go out here and throw one scoreless inning or maybe one in 1.1 or 1.2 with one run allowed or something. And, um, of course, you got a couple guys at the back end of that bullpen, uh, Landon Sims, Parker Stinnett, Preston Johnson, some of those main guys that have been using SEC play who are getting better and better as the year goes on. So, uh, yeah, the bullpen for State is, uh, is, is easily the strongest part. And so – you know, you sit there and think, you know, if you, you knock around Jackson Fristo for three runs or two runs and in four innings and you're sitting there, all right, well, I just ran him out. Well, now you got 20 guys that are probably better than him that are coming in. So uh, sometimes it's better to kind of keep a low-scoring game maybe. But, uh, yeah, I think this team is – obviously, I think they're built for the postseason. Um, and I think Lamonis knows that, and that's the reason why, you know, He's kind of kept some of his pitchers on pitch counts. You know, McLeod and Bedner are usually sitting around 80 pitches every week before he pulls them, you know, four or five innings and just letting some bullpen guys get some some innings in there. And um, and, and it, it's shown, you know, they're I think they're both projected. Uh, I think D1 projected as the number three seed overall seed and number – and then Baseball America had him as number four overall seed this morning. So, uh, you know, both th- – around the three, four area for both of them as a national seed, ho- hosting regional and super regional in a – you know, if that's the way it works out. Because I think I think D1 baseball had, like, Southern Miss in there, Jackson State in there. And so those are all winnable. Those are winnable. Those are teams that you can win against, of course. So uh, I think I think State's happy with where they're at. I think right now they're going to try to win them an SEC championship, um, if it's possible at all, you know, if they can sweep this weekend. If they lose this weekend, not really possible, probably. But, you know um, – if they can sweep this weekend, then it's very possible. And I think that's what they're kind of looking for right now, just trying to keep uh, keep themselves healthy for the postseason. Well, with uh, Lamonis a little uncertain about his third starter right now, would, would he just make it a, 
a bullpen game from start to finish? Would he start one of those middle relievers, throw two innings and bring in another guy and just go with that sort of plan? Yeah, I think so. Well, you know, Houston Harding is he's been the main middle relief guy on Sundays. I think, you know, he went three or four innings this past weekend against uh South Carolina and then he went four innings against uh Texas A&M two weekends ago and you know, he's he's been used as one of those middle relief guys, but you know, he was before this season, you know, he was a he was a full-time starter. I think he started four or five games early in the season against non-conference teams in midweeks and um you know, whenever he was at Itawamba, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, you know, he he was went to Itawamba Community College. I think he led the nation in wins. You know, he's a starter and led the nation in wins and strikeouts, was just fantastic starter, and that's the reason why he's in Starville now. Um, and so he's a guy that could, that could very easily go in there and, get, and, you know, just provide four or five innings from the start for State on Sunday, and then they just piece something together. And then you also got guys like – Preston Johnson or Brandon Smith, who could also do that. But I think both of them are uh, – would I think Lenoris would, of course, would rather use those guys out of the bullpen. The, Brandon Smith's such a guy that he's that guy that you bring in with, you know, bases loaded one out and try to get get him a double, double play ball. And then Preston Johnson's kind of that power guy with some uh, with some hard stuff to bring in. This is kind of a setup seventh, eighth inning guy. And uh, so I think if he makes any changes, it's probably Houston Harding to Sunday because he's a uh, – He's been one of the better pitchers as SEC play, and uh, I think he's kind of earned it. But after him, you know, if he gets moved to the starting role, then you know, I don't know if Jackson Fristo comes out behind him. I don't know how they use him and they use Jackson Fristo as a as a two inning guy or something because you know he's got fantastic stuff. It's just that he's a true freshman and he's pitched probably twice as much this year as he's ever pitched in his life in you know, one season. So uh, I think his arms a little wore down right now and. But uh, we're going to see what's, what's going to happen because, you know, they have the pieces. I think the biggest piece for them right there would be Houston Hardy, of course, because he's been the guy on Sundays to come in and uh, long relief appearances. So it makes sense to kind of move him to the starting role. Well, has Lamonis been a guy uh, to change pitchers with this bullpen, like in the middle of an at-bat, like uh, like his boss John Cohen used to do? I, I don't remember uh, – don't remember that so much. Uh, I don't remember that he did that during the Ole Miss series. Has uh, he moved guys in and out that way? No, and, uh, you know, I, I think the only time that that's happened this year is it, it did happen once, and that was because Riley self towards UCL in the middle of a pit, you know, after a pitch. Um, and I think that's the only time that it's happened. But uh, he usually lets a guy, you know, at least get through a batter. You know, it, it, he – most of the guys he brings in, he has the intent of keeping in for two uh, an inning or two. But there are a couple of times where, you know, he'll come in in the eighth inning or something with two guys on base, you know, bring in a lefty Cam Toller or something, let him pitch one at bat. If he gets him out or if he gets on base, you know, then he may bring somebody else in, let him pitch in at bat, bring someone else in. He, just, he plays a lot of matchup games, but um, no, he's not a guy that switches people out in and out of the at bats. He, used, I think, he has a lot of confidence in him at first. You know, he, he brings these guys in and has a lot of confidence in them. And if they don't get the job done and they're one or two at bats that he gives them, then he pulls them, let someone else try. But uh, he at least he gives them a fair shot and gives them at least in a bat. I think. Hey, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. You can check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion. 
with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.